I have really thought about what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. Um, I would have to say that for quite some time, Second is five has been my lot. Particularly in, in pictured in, in my mind is how it's going to be when I stand before Lord Jesus. Uh, I have, I can't tell you how many times I've wondered that. There's a couple places in Revelation. One is is there's a picture of this crystal sea of glass. And then there's a, then later on, I think it's in, I think it's in chapter 15, verse two. It talks about this sea of glass and now it's mingled with fire. And now these guys are standing on it. And I said, like, so they're standing on this sea of glass that's mingled with fire. However, these are the guys who have been faithful. And the Bible pictures them having harps in their hands and they're singing praises. So I, I couldn't help but think about it. I wonder, I wonder just how close that's going to be because the Bible does picture us as we'll be judged as stored by fire. And I've often wondered, you know, how much wood, hay, and stubble Am I going to have? It has terrified me actually on occasion to think that I could possibly stand before the Lord one day and everything I had strived for, everything that I had that I had sweated over, everything I had lost sleep over, all the hours I had studied for, all the hours I had prayed for, suddenly watch it go up the smoke. Not a good picture. And, and I have and I have often thought how it would be like to appear there before the judgment seat. The Bible says, as you know, it says, we must all appear. There aren't any exceptions. There aren't any exemptions. No one's going to skip this part of it. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Why is that? that we may receive, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, that we may receive the things done in this body, whether good or bad. And, and I, I, don't, I don't believe I need to go through this group. I mean, we could probably go through just about every book of New Testament for sure. And, and we could find places where, where this is going to take place, where our worthiness is going to be. And, and I'm talking specifically about believers. I mean, the message I've listened to, I, I got to tell you, I was in the same place as, as Lindell was yesterday. I, I, I knew all about the, uh, the ages, and, and I, knew, I knew how that played out. I knew the, the poor translations of Brother Jim, I knew all that. But I did not connect the dots like Brother Jim did. But I thought about that. I said, you know, what's it going to be like? Listen, I know. Let's just say I've got together. Let's just pretend I do anyway for a few minutes. But I've got this thing together. And then I know all about these ages. And I know he's got the ages. But, but, but what happens if I have all this knowledge and I know all these things? 
and I do nothing with it. See, it, it just strikes me like, at least in the circles that I run in, a lot of people, a lot of church members, oh yes, they might be faithful in church, and probably some of them are probably faithful tithers, but there's little that goes on once they leave the building. And it concerns me. And so, and so I just begin to think about, well, what, what's it going to be like? I mean, if, if, if I am certainly going to be judged on my works, and, and, I'm, and, and they're going to be totally good or bad, and, and, and certainly the ones that are bad are going to go up and smoke wood and stubble, then, then what, what about that? I, I mean, how should I be sure that what I'm doing is of God? And so I'm going to be at least for a minute or two anyway in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Because Paul commends them. He thanks God for them. And one of the things he mentioned, he says he, he's thankful to God for their work of faith. And he talks about their, their, their labor of love and their patience of hope. I don't know if we'll get to all three of those, but we're certainly going to get to one regarding the work of faith because, because that's what it's about. It, it is about this work of faith. Uh, since, since we are judged by how we've done this body, we're, we're certainly going to give an account to this. We, you know, I, I want to make sure that I have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. I mean, I mean, I want, I want to, let's see, how did you say it, Brother Jim? I, I want to gulp it down. I want to swallow it whole. I have a, a Labradoodle dog at home. That dog just doesn't quite realize that she's a dog. Uh, she's about 67 pounds. We weighed her the other day. And she, my, my wife has two little dogs. And, and actually, my wife calls those dogs. She, she slipped one time and I really, I nailed her for it. She called them my people. <laughs> and uh, I keep telling my dog, I says, you're a big dog. You gotta quit hanging around those little dogs, you know? And because because she, she's constantly wanting to get up and laugh and she's just too big for my lap. And for, I don't know why, but my lap has shrunk over the years. <laughs> she, she wants to get in my lap. I, you know, I, I, I put, but, but you know, she just loves treats. And boy, you just, you just, all you got to do is just mention the word treat, and boy, she's up and ready to go. But, but I noticed, you know, she, she reversed right back to acting like a dog. She just glumps it right down. I, I can't believe she didn't taste of it. And so this morning, I want you to just slow down. I want you just to savor the taste of God's Word. Uh, the Bible does say, he talked about it in Hebrews 6, it says, they have tasted, and notice it says, and the good Word of God, I believe it's in Hebrews 6, verse 5, they have tasted of the good Word of God. And that word, that word for word, it's rima. It's the spoken, it's the uttered word. And so Paul, 
he, he wants he commends them he says for their, their their work of faith and this work is where we get our English word energy from this work is ergon it is what it's something that's alive is active and the idea behind the text here is this 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 work of faith it is actually a a work that is produced through faith it comes by faith and it, it's a genitive in the Greek language and so so what he's saying this work that we have here he said it comes as a result of your faith. Uh, I was really intrigued by some of this. Listen to some in the Bible, just a few smidgens here of how the how the word word how the word work and belief are used. You know, Jesus he, he fed five thousand and they want to do this work. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, This is the work of God. He said that you believe in the one he he is saying. You notice that we believe or we have faith. And of course, you know you know this. You know that, that faith is, is the use of the noun form and belief is used in the verb form. We, we say, I believe something there. there that, that's a verb, there's an action there. Or we say, I have faith, that's the noun. And so, and so he, says, he says, you know, he said, your work, what you do. He says, it comes as a result of you believing this faith hope and love that we do he, he says he said this is done inside of god you know when we talk about this tasting god's good word in in uh, that rima it, it is also mentioned in romans chapter 10 you know these verses that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word by the rima of god in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it's the same thing. He talks about the sword being the rima of God. You see, because it's a work of faith, and because faith comes by hearing, it just naturally implies that the person who's doing this work that God approves of, it implies that they have to have heard from God in the first place. And, and so, and so, what we're, and so this, this faith that comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, is that rima. You know, I have certainly had some wonderful times in ministry, but I've also had some low points. And I can remember one low point just very well. I'm telling you, I was just as depressed and low as you possibly get. And you know, it, it has been my custom for, I'm not sure, many, many years. Uh, I've been preaching for not quite four years. I know what you're thinking. You probably think I started when I was in grade school as well. <laughs> but I but I have and I have just always had an appetite to read God's word. And so for, for many several years I have I have every morning almost without fail. There have been a couple of course, but but almost without fail. I mean I just got a systematic reading while I read through the Bible every single year, at least once every year. And this is one of those mornings I would, I don't mind telling you, I was extremely low. And just quite frankly, I didn't feel like reading the word. I didn't feel like praying. I had tried to pray. And you, you ever been there? You just feel like having just brass. I mean, just nothing. And I had prayed and sought God and nothing. But you know, I knew that my feelings are not what leads and guides me. It's what God says. And so what I did, 
I got my Bible out. And I'm going to read. It so happened that morning, my systematic reading, that my Old Testament fell on Ezekiel. And God told Ezekiel, Ezekiel, you preached him, buddy. He won't listen to you. In fact, uh, God told Ezekiel, Ezekiel said, you know what? He said, they're going to sit there and he said, boy, they're going to just admire you and boy, they're going to amen you. And he said, man, you're just great. You're, I mean, whoop, you're great. What do you say? And I'm thinking, Lord, I, 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 that's right. I, I know that. I know they don't listen. That's not helping me. But then the Bible says, and God says to Ezekiel, he said, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Well, that was a little relief. At least they would know. But still, you know, it's, it's just not, I mean, I'm pretty dense sometimes. Uh, my, I'm glad Carol's not here because I would have certainly got an amen from her. Um, <laughs> But I, I read a little further, and then God says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel's eye, he says, but they will know that a prophet is that moment. I'm going to tell you, that was God's rhema to me. That was where I was able to taste of the good word of God and the powers the age to come. Let me, let me explain that to you, see. You see, when I, when I grasped that, it was God's way of saying, Dean, they'll know someday that you are my man standing there. And see, that, that immediately takes me out of that context into another context in the age to come. That I immediately begin to think about Matthew chapter 5, where, where, where God talks about your Lord be exceedingly, you can rejoice. Why? Because they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so while I would never put myself in those prophets, God did. And so see, we're, we're talking about this, this thing that we're calling work of faith. And so you see, uh, I, I come up in the Southern Baptist circles. In a lot of our circles, I'm telling you, everything is results-oriented. Um, all the conventions I went to, evangelism conference I went to, they always recognize the guys who had most baptisms. Put in the biggest buildings, big budgets. In fact, you were successful if you could register the baptisms, the buildings, and the budgets you were in. And I was caught up in that, I'm telling you. I was pastoring a little rural church uh, back in the mid and late 90s. And we placed in the top 40, I mean, this is a rural community. We placed in the top 40 churches in the state of Georgia for baptisms. Our budget was out the roof. Our buildings, we, we went through two building programs in the five and a half years I was there. We, we, built, we built two wings. For Sunday school space, we built a 506 sanctuary, and guess what? Pay for it. I mean, as far as arrival, 
as far as success goes, those buildings, those baptisms, those budgets over there. One morning we actually baptized 11 people in service. But I was so ate up with results. I was so ate up with numbers. I don't mind telling you, I was absolutely miserable because we didn't baptize 12 that morning instead of 11. And I look back on that, you see, there was so much of that was not a work of faith. And you see what, what Paul is getting across to us. He, he is commending these Thessalonians. That would probably be the model church in the New Testament, the church of Thessalonica. I mean, the only thing they were having some trouble with was with the second coming of Christ. But boy, they were model church, and he, he commends them for that. Uh, Ephesians 2, verse 10. We're God's workmanship. Think about craftsmanship. Think about a masterpiece. Uh, you know, um, years, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I my grandparents on. And my grandmother, she had a, a tapestry right above the, the mantel up there, and it was a tapestry of a leopard. I don't really know where the tapestry came from, but I just always looked at that thing. And actually, probably a, a two or three years ago, my cousin called me one day, and she had, I don't know how she got it, but she had found that tapestry. She just grabbed it. I remember right away. She said, would you like to have it? I said, I would. She mailed it to me. Well, I'm looking at things, it's just like I remember just a beautiful landscape and the lepers lying there on that branch on the tree. Just beautiful look at it. But boy, you turn the other side, the back side of it, and you can't make out this leopard there. It's all tangly, and, and you can see where the strings have been tied knots so they don't come loose on these. Just strange hands looks a mess. And you see, when God is doing his workmanship, or when God is doing his masterpiece, he's looking at it, he sees the finished product. He sees that just beautiful leopard, just lying there on the branches, just wonderful. And we're looking, <laughs> we're seeing all these strings and stuff hanging everywhere. But see what God is doing, he is taking each one of those, and you notice what he says, we're his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus, notice this, to do good works. It's those works that God approves of. It's those work, it's, it is that work of faith that we're talking about. Uh, John chapter 14 and verse 12. Most assuredly I say to you, notice this, he who, here's the word, believes in me, here's the next word, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do. Uh, yeah, I think Brother John mentioned this verse the other day, that the greater works it's mega. It's, it's more worse because they're, they're, we, we, are like, we are supposed to be like little Christ. It, it is if the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Christ, is not just working in us, but now he's working through us. So we do more of those works. We do mega of those works. And you see, and so what God does, these works that we're supposed to be doing, there should be a quality to them. And that quality should be attached to faith. And what should that faith be? That faith should be, listen, I have heard from God, and God said, this is what I'm supposed to do. And so I wait. God, God lays out the circumstances. He lays out this work. All I have to do is just walk through it. And very oftentimes, 
we get so caught up in things that we do not see this. First Thessalonians 2, 13. We also thank God continually because you, because notice what he said, you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but notice this actually is, the word of God, listen, which is at, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. You see it again. You see this work and this this faith is attached together. They're practically several. If we if we're going to stand before the judgment seat and we're going to hear a well done from God, it is going to be that work of faith that we have done. It is going to be because we have believed what God says. And by the way, that's a pretty good definition of faith. It's just believing what God says, just taking God at His word. I'm just not sure, though, that that's the case that's done anymore. I'm not sure how often we take God and His Word. I I remember well. Uh, we were I spent 20 years in, in the Air Force, and I was stationed in Germany, and I had the privilege of pastoring two interim churches while I was there, and and we were getting ready to come stateside back to the states and uh we were our kids were still still young and we had always been the south you know i'm a georgia boy as my brother mentioned and we we've been states in texas and florida i spent one year in alaska but my family go with me so so when we were states in germany we had the we had the we're in the mountains and the winters, we have the ice and the snow and all this kind of stuff. And you know, we, we have the skating rinks and the ski resorts and all this kind of stuff. And so we thought, so I'm gonna have this one more time to come back. So we'll put in for North Dakota bases. So I put in from Montana. I put in from North Dakota. I put in from Maine. I put in from Michigan, all, all places up north. Well, they sent me to Louisiana. I knew in my heart because my pastor who I surrendered to the ministry under, we were in Texas before we went to Germany and he was my pastor in Texas. And now in the meantime, he had left Texas and guess where he went to? Louisiana. And I also knew that our seminary was close by. And so I knew in my heart that boy, this was a God sent assignment and I was eager to go. We got a new first sergeant in our squadron. And at the time, uh, I was really active in playing racquetball. And my first sergeant, he wanted to play racquetball. And uh, he was a, he used to be a Marine, and he just thought he was something else. And uh, so we were having one of these guts matches, and I beat him. And he couldn't stand it. And he had it out for me since then. And he was, I just overheard him almost in a whisper say one day, I'm going to see to it, you can go to your assignment. Well, too many details in the middle. But long story short, I'm standing before the commander. And he's deciding if I'm going to go on this assignment or not. And he, he says this, this, this. He says, you got a couple of days to think it over. And boy, I was just, I was just ready to have my defenses and all this kind of stuff. Man, I just had this off. 
And I was reading my Bible again. I can get dangerous sometimes, y'all. And, and, and the Bible says, it was in Romans 13, about submitting yourself to those in authority over you. I'm thinking, well, Lord, this, this don't mean me. I mean, after all, those in authority, they're the one that's out to get me. They're the one that's out to mess with this sign that you've given me. Not that this don't apply to me. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm thankful God is so patient and so kind. It did apply. And I, I don't mind telling you, I'm, I'm so nervous and trembling. I want to stand up. And my boss, he thought I was nuts, and he, he called what I did God stuff. He, he wasn't a believer, but he did tolerate what I did because, you know, I was a good performer, and I did good, and he, you know, made him look good, and so he was okay with that. And he, he said, this God stuff is going to your head. He said, this is going to get you in a lot of trouble. I said, I'm afraid you're right. <laughs> But I got to do it. So I went before my commander, and he asked me about it. I said, "Sir," I said, "I don't have anything to say." He said, "I beg your pardon." I said, "No, sir." I says, "Whatever you say, I'm gonna do it." He said, "What?" I said, "Sir, permission to speak freely. You should have at it." And our mind, he says, "Uh." I said, sir, I'm folks on the list, don't you think this is Mr. Bold guy? I was shaking my boots. I was scared to death because he really did have the authority to do a lot of harm. And I said, sir, I said, I'm a Christian. And I said, I believe that God wants to know this time. I said, but, but you're in this position, I said, because God has put you here. And I said, so the Bible says, I said, God says that I'm supposed to submit to my authorities. I said, God has placed you in authority over me. So I said, I'm going to do whatever you say. He is speechless. He doesn't know what to say. And so he says, you're dismissed. He says, we'll talk about this in two or three days. I'm going to think about this. So a couple of days passed, and I don't mind telling you, I haven't slept much. Uh, colonels, let me say, they do not normally come to your office. If they want you, you are summoned to go to them. Our colonel walked in my office. He says, would you mind accompanying me in my office? Now, what am I going to say? No. <laughs> I said, yes, sir. And we, we call them bricks. They're then, you know, they, they didn't have cell phones all day. And he got this big old, it looked almost like a brick, these radios to chalk on. And he gets on this brick and we're going over. And he said, he's got the first sergeant, my boss and all this. And they're going to and he said, you wait out here. And of course, that means I got to walk in. I got to report and all this kind of stuff. And so he says, I have thought hard about this. He says, and I have decided that you are going to the assignment that God wants you to go to. And my first sergeant is about to explode. 
and he spins around that big wheelchair of his and he says and you first sergeant you are going to see to it that he has a smooth trip all the way what why did i tell you that story what, what i'm trying to get you to see is this work of faith Thing. What I'm trying to get you to see is, is that it, it implies you hearing from God. Now, now listen, now, when, when you begin to taste God's Word, that, that good Word the Bible says, sometimes it don't seem like it tastes good. I mean, sometimes, you, you know, there's fear and trepidation there. I can understand about Paul's fear and trembling. Sometimes you're uncomfortable. You don't even want to do what it is. But there's just something that compels you. I believe what compels you is the love of Christ. But, but you are just compelled by that. You are constrained by that. You're in the strait by it. It's like you can do nothing else if you're going to walk with God. And so when I, when I am in that commander's office, it suddenly dawns on me God has orchestrated all this so you can tell who you who you are. And so I said to the commander, I said, sir, speak freely again. He said, you're going to anyway. <laughs> and so I shared the gospel in front of my commander and my boss, who is an atheist, and the first sergeant, who's probably demonic. I don't know. <laughs> My boss, he left before I did, went back to the States. I went by his room. We were in transit quarters, you know, the furniture's gone, he's staying in the hotel, they're waiting to go. And uh, I wanted one more shot at him before he left about the gospel. And he says to me, Dean, uh, only time I can remember calling him my first name. He said, there's something to be said about your God. He said, I gotta think on that. First time ever the eyes been broke that way. But folks, it's not always comfortable. You know, I've I've learned when Jesus said, Blessed are the persecuted, I've never heard of a persecuted guy that said, Boy, this feels so good. Persecute me some more. <laughs> you see, but blessings. At least sometimes in this life, they hurt. They're uncomfortable. They keep you awake at night. But what God is about doing, listen, that blessing, it really sometimes doesn't materialize until afterwards. You know, and, and one, it dawned on me one time again, reading in Hebrews 11, about those guys. The Bible says they did not receive the promises. And I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Faith, the, the, the Abel and, 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 and the Enoch and, and the Noah and the Abraham and the Moses and Israel, I mean, just on their own. It says they did not receive the promises. What? You see, what they've done, though, now listen to me, folks. Listen, if you're listening, you say amen. amen. If you're listening, you say amen. Yeah. 
What they had done, though, they had tasted of those powers of the age to come. And listen to me. They were doing a work of faith that God will say to them on that day, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now I ask you, isn't that what you want? So now make sure you get what I'm saying. You can sit down, you can study all this, and listen, I promise you, I'm going to be in God's Word some more about this uh, ages and, and eon stuff. But what good is that going to do me if I'm not living it out and telling it out? You see, if God is not taking that and doing a work of faith, doesn't Philippians say it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work according to His good pleasures? How does He do that? He does it by the Word. When you think about the power of the Word, you think of creative power. You think of resurrection power. And so this work that He's doing in you, as you read the Word, the Holy Spirit just ignites it. He does a work in you, empowers you to act or to do a work or a deed that God says, that's my deed. I'm in agreement with you on that. Your will is my will. My will now becomes your will. It's the same. It's the work of faith. What have I done? That faith said I have taken God His Word. And I have just simply acted on it when the circumstances that God orchestrated let me do that. And I have completely lost my place. Second um, uh, Corinthians four seven. We have this treasure in jars of clay. You know what a jar of clay is? It's a mud pot. Now some of us have got bigger mud pots than others, I guess, but they're all fragile. You know, mud pot breaks pretty easy. And listen to this. This mud pot, this jars of clay, it is to show that, uh, that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Uh, when I was called to a church, uh, it was, I just really didn't want to go there at first, and I told them so, but they had done something that search committees don't normally do from what I gather. They had decided to make us a matter of prayer, and they had all these resumes. Now, they told me this after I came there. They're laying out all these resumes. And each, each, I think there were five, seven people maybe on the committee, I can't remember. And each one of them was given the same stack of resumes. And they were told to go home and spread them resumes out for Try and do it a certain time of day where they would all be doing it. And, and, and ask God to impress upon them which resume. They all assembled back. Every single one of them puts my resume to the table, no one else's. Now, listen, folks, I saw those resumes. There were some pretty impressive resumes, and mine was impressive because I didn't want to go there, so I didn't get to do one. And so when they called me, 
And they says, you've only been in that church a year. Why do you want to leave? I said, I don't. It's another story having that resume. I don't have time for that right now. But, but when they hung up, now this is what they told me. They said, well, we just have to wait and pray for him. God hasn't told him he's coming yet. So God finally, remember I told you I'm kind of dense. So God finally gets through to me because I can't leave it alone either. And so I travel. I'm, I'm from Louisiana all the way to Georgia. I go there and I'm meeting with them. And there was a guy and they decide, they, they told me that they were going to hear me preach one week and vote the next week. And uh, just quite frankly, I just wanted to settle. I wanted to over and done with it. I want to go back to my life in Louisiana. I'm in a church there. They love me. I love them. It's wonderful. It's close to me to get to heaven. I want to stay here forever. There was a guy named Jamie in the congregation. Jamie is one of these guys you don't even know he's there. He never speaks. You speak and just nod. He hardly just ever says anything. He's just kind of a guy that fades into the work. You never see him, you never hear him. He's just kind of there. Well, I preached that morning a whole other story. Lindell, in those days, I didn't preach with notes. Uh, I went back to using a piece of paper or two because I spoke too long and chased too many rabbits, so I got some paper to kind of guide me. But I forgot my sermon. I forgot my text, everything. I preach. Finally, God brings all this back to me through circumstances. Uh, the aisles are full. Two people got, I mean, it was amazing. That night, they decided they might vote. And one person said, now they're I'm not in there. They're telling me I'm waiting outside. And they have all this discussion. And they can't decide what to do. And lo and behold, Jamie, the guy that never says anything, speaks up. Jamie says, I think I have a word from God. There's silence on the place. Jamie says, we have been praying for this guy forever. He's here. What are you waiting for? They call me unanimously. You know what? Jamie had heard from God. Jamie had did something and God said, just, just a little statement. And look what God did. But what folks I'm telling you is that our normal way of life, the way we live, it should be that work of faith when we stand before the Lord. See, it is, it is what we have heard from God we have just simply took God his word, believe what God said, and then when the circumstances present themselves, we act on it. Is it always pleasant? Well, no, it's not pleasant. I mean, wasn't it, folks say that it was probably Isaiah that was solved too. That don't sound too pleasant to me, does it to you? A Stephen was stoned. Uh, that sounded like to me it was hurt a bit. I mean, we could just list the guys. 
In fact, the Bible says that the world was not even worthy of them. I still think a lot about the judgment seat. I still wonder what it would be like if it's that sea of glass, if it's mingled with fire. Boy, I yearn, I long for God to give me one of those hearts. I take that to be symbolic of rejoicing and singing. You say, Dean, and again, I've often wondered how it would be to hear the Lord Jesus Christ himself call me by name. And say, Dean, son, well done. Enter into my glory. The kingdom is ours. Your home. Let's pray again. Father, we love you, Lord. Your word reminds us we're all going to appear give an account for what we've done in this body, whether good or bad. And my prayer is we would yearn just to walk with you. Just to hear you whisper to our hearts through your word. Remind us who we are. Remind us who you are. And give us that word we need in time of trouble. Father, we live in the day when it seems there are fewer and fewer and fewer people who are really listen to you. Father, may, be, may we be one of the few. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.